Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Micah chapter 7 from the World English Bible. Misery is mine. Indeed, I am like one who gathers the summer fruits as gleanings of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat. My soul desires to eat the early fig. The godly man has perished out of the earth, and there is no one upright among men. They all lie and wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. Their hands are on that which is evil to do it diligently. The ruler and judge ask for a bribe, and the powerful man dictates the evil desire of his soul. Thus they conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright is worse than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchmen, even your visitation, has come. Now is the time of their confusion. Don't trust in a neighbor. Don't put confidence in a friend. With the woman lying in your embrace, be careful of the words of your mouth. For the son dishonors the father. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to Yahweh. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Don't rejoice against me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, Yahweh will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of Yahweh because I have sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it, and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is Yahweh your God? Then my enemy will see me and will cover her shame. Now she will be trodden down like the mire of the streets. A day to build your walls. In that day he will extend your boundary. In that day they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, and from Egypt even to the river, and from sea to sea and mountain to mountain. Yet the land will be desolate because of those who dwell therein, for the fruit of their doings. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your heritage, who dwell by themselves in a forest. In the middle of fertile pasture land, let them feed. In Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. As in the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt, I will show them marvelous things. The nations will see and be ashamed of all their might. They will lay their hand on their mouth. Their ears will be deaf. They will lick the dust like a serpent. Like crawling things of the earth, they shall come trembling out of their dens. They will come with fear to Yahweh our God and will be afraid because of you. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the disobedience of the remnant of his heritage? He doesn't retain his anger forever because he delights in loving kindness. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot and you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea.
you will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. That is the end of chapter 7 and the end of the book of Micah. This section begins with a lamenting, not unlike what was in Amos chapter 5. It is a different time period since Micah prophesied, as we find out in chapter 1, verse 1, through the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. 2 Kings 15.34 says Jotham did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, except for not taking down the high places. In 2 Kings 16.2-4, it says Ahaz, his son, did not do right. But then Hezekiah, Ahaz's son, did do right, in, as it says in 2 Kings 18, verses 1 and so on, and was faithful like no one else since the kingdom had been divided into um, the northern kingdom of Israel and the, and the southern kingdom of Judah. But even though Micah is prophesying during these reigns, it's mostly a measure of time. It's not saying that he's only prophesying to these kings. And during this time period, the northern kingdom is disintegrating both morally and politically, and it is going to be just a couple of years into Hezekiah's reign when the Assyrians come and conquer the northern kingdom and take them captive. I will put a link again to the Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones chart so you can get a visual of this. So while Micah can't be talking about the kings Jotham and Hezekiah in describing the wicked rulers because it's already been established that they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, there are plenty of wicked rulers and leaders to go around. As I was reading the description of the extent and degree of wickedness in verses 1 through 6, a few things came to mind. One, Micah says, the godly man has perished and there is no one upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. This is a case of poetic hyperbole, since we know that during this time, not only were there the faithful kings, but Isaiah and Hosea also overlap with Micah. Let me read you a definition of hyperbole from literarydevices.net says, hyperbole is a figure of speech and literary device that creates heightened effect through deliberate exaggeration. Hyperbole is often a boldly overstated or exaggerated claim or statement that adds emphasis without the intention of being literally true. In rhetoric and literature, hyperbole is often used for serious comic or ironic effects. And another definition from examples.yourdictionary.com, because this is being used in Micah's lament for an expression of how he is feeling. It says there, hyperbole is the use of over-exaggeration to create emphasis or humor. It is not intended to be taken literally. Rather, it's supposed to drive a point home and make the reader understand just how much the writer felt in that moment. Throughout the ages, hyperbole has appeared in poetry time and time again. So Micah is expressing his distress that the land is so drenched with wickedness that the godly perish, and this could be either they are destroyed by the wicked or they are taken captive, as we know that even God warned later that those who trusted in him should go peacefully to Babylon, and you can read that in Jeremiah 38, verses 2 through 3. And also, trust between all people seems to be broken way down to the family level. So contrast this use of the word all in his poetic lamenting to Paul's 
factual statements, such as in Romans 3, verses 21 through 23, and other places where it describes how every person needs atonement for his sin. That's not hyperbole. A second thing that came to my mind is that this passage is describing a particular time period and place, and although a strong case can be made for the depravity of mankind being the norm throughout time, there were times when even Israel as a whole was more faithful, for instance, the first generation to enter the promised land. Then in verse 4, if you take care of a yard or a garden at all, the imagery of briars and thorns is more impressive. These kinds of weeds are not only invasive and choking out good plants, but they hurt. And then in the second half of verse 4, it talks about the watchmen, who would have been those who should have or would have been warning people, and then the judge is coming. He's going to visit. And the fifth thing, just to emphasize that things are so bad that they needed to be careful of everyone, even those closest to them. This reminded me of Amos chapter 5, verse 13, where we recently read that that was a time when the prudent man kept silent. In verse 7, Micah turns from the grief of witnessing so much that is wrong to his trust in Yahweh. In spite of what people do, in spite of how they corrupt the good gifts from God, and in spite of the impending imminent judgment that he knows is coming on Israel, he knows that God is his salvation and hears him. He admits his own sin, but knows Yahweh will be both his judge and his deliverer, as he says in verse 9, and he knows the wicked enemy will be completely overcome and humiliated when all is brought to light. Then in verse 11, he goes into describing the time when their boundary will be extended again. First, the land will be desolate because of what is going on at the time he's prophesying, but he knows that God will shepherd them again. And God has told him he will do spectacular things like when God led them out of Egypt. When that happens, the nations or the peoples, you need to understand the biblical use of the word nations can also be translated as peoples and refers to people groups, not just government constructs. The nations who are against his people and therefore against him will eat dust, basically. One way or another, people will see that God is God, either by crawling in terror or by looking to him for his loving kindness. In verse 19, Micah may not know exactly how his sins will be dealt with, but he knows that God, in his compassion, will tread them underfoot. They won't just be ignored, they will be conquered, cast into the sea. God will give mercy and truth to Israel, but we have much more of the mystery revealed to us now, as Paul talks about in Colossians 1.26, Romans 16.25, and Ephesians 3.3. 3 and also Jesus refers to in Matthew 13, 11. So we in our time period know that some other things have already happened and will happen, and now we wait until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, as Paul talks about in Romans 8, 25. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 